Hey, NetSuite listeners. Thanks for tuning in to the NetSuite podcast. I'm Ian McHugh, a senior content marketing manager at NetSuite and one of the co-hosts of this podcast. Joining us today is Lionel CIO Rick Gamerith. If any of our listeners are fans of model trains, Lionel is a very familiar name. For more than 120 years, Lionel has manufactured miniature replicas of famous trains as well as tracks, transformers, and other accessories. Rick shares how he ended up at Lionel after it acquired the diecast car division of Motorsports Authentics in 2010. He walks through Lionel's history and explains how its trains have evolved over the years. That includes innovations like the ability to control trains with a smartphone and by voice. After Lionel purchased the diecast portion of the business from Motorsports Authentics, Rick had one clear priority as the IT department head find an ERP system that could support both divisions. He first details the very outdated system Lionel was on for decades and the challenges it presented. The CIO also shares tips on how he overcame internal resistance to replacing a system employees knew well. Rick then explains why the manufacturer opted for a cloud solution and selected NetSuite back in 2010. He gets into how NetSuite OneWorld simplified financial management and reporting for Lionel's two subsidiaries, and how the company leveraged NetSuite partners to automate further. As Lionel became an omnichannel business, Rick walks through why the company quickly replaced Magento with Sweet Commerce Advance to manage its three e-commerce sites. He also expands on how NetSuite's reporting capabilities help the business make smarter decisions and continue to cut costs. Rick wraps up by shedding light on Lionel's strategy to build lasting relationships with kids, touching on how NetSuite can help the organization achieve those goals. Stay tuned, all that and more is coming up next. You're listening to the NetSuite Podcast, where we discuss what's happening within NetSuite, why we're doing it, and where we're heading in the future. We'll dive into the details about the software and the people at NetSuite who are behind all the moving parts. We'll also feature customer growth stories, discussing the ups and downs of running a company and how one integrated system can help your business continue to scale. So Rick, Lionel is a company that's been around for more than 120 years now. Um, could you just tell us a little bit more about what the company does and what's kind of given it so much staying power to still be here today, 120 years later? Sure, and, it, and actually in uh, 2025, we'll be 125 years old, so we're really excited about that and looking forward to it, and we'll be doing some special things for that coming up. But So, you know, Lionel... Uh, by brand name, hopefully a lot of people recognize it. We are the makers of the trains that uh, the people have as toys and have as, as collectible items. And then our second line of business for Lionel is also making the replicas of die-cast NASCAR cars that run uh, the races for NASCAR. So th- those are our two primary, primary lines of business. And you kind of touched on this a, a little bit earlier before we got on the mic here, but could you tell me a little bit about kind of each each of those two sides of the business, how they kind of contribute, how how maybe it came to be that a train company and a die-cast car company came together? Sure. So I actually was part of a company called Motorsports Authentics uh, that sold die-cast cars and, other, and apparel and, and other souvenirs for NASCAR. Um, in 2010, NASCAR, the owners of Motorsports Authentics, decided they wanted to divest themselves of the business, so they looked to sell uh, that piece. Uh, Lionel came in and bought the die-cast portion 
of the business from Motorsports Authentics. At that time, uh, Lionel was only making trains, and Lionel offered 21 of us an opportunity to come to Lionel and help run the uh, diecast racing business for Lionel. And so 21 of us moved over. Uh, I was offered the opportunity to lead the IT department, and the first challenge that I was presented with from the CEO was find an ERP that could run both sides of the company, the diecast ra- die racing and the train business, under one umbrella. And so we could unify that and simplify it and, and get the company moving forward. From Lionel's perspective, why did it kind of make sense to acquire that diecast business? Was it just similarities kind of between the, the train collectibles, if you will, and the, the car collectibles? It's a great question. Um, and little known is that it actually that the factory, our manufacturing is done in China. The factory that was manufacturing the die-cast cars for NASCAR replicas and the factory that was manufacturing the trains, one and the same. Interesting. So made all the sense in the world, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, it was an easy uh, sense that they already, Lionel already had a relationship with the factory that was doing it. So um, it, it was an easy transition from that perspective. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, you know, the as we, we said, the business has been around a long time. The second half of its existence, you know, a little bit more difficult moments, I would say. But how has the company kind of bounced back from those? And, and how do you think that's impacted the, the business we see today as Lionel? Well, Lionel did have some difficult times. You know, at one point in time, it was a publicly held company and publicly traded. Now it's privately held. And so uh, as they went through the difficult times, you know, many years ago, it was acquired and and actually changed hands uh, several times in the private market. But now the, the focus really is on driving the brand and sustaining it and maintaining it. Train peoples are our passionate set of collectors you know there's we make the the trains go around your christmas tree and a lot of kids love those a lot of us grew up with that but then there are also a lot of of passionate collectors that like to buy high-priced replicas of of big engines that you know that that drive around the the country and and so we're, we're focused on again trying to extend the brand in the younger generation. Um, we did a demographic study a handful of years ago that found out that kids really still love trains. Young kids love trains. But now in today's age, you know, by the time they get a little bit older and get handed a cell phone or you know, a tablet or whatever, then the train kind of loses some of its appeal to the younger generation. So you know, our challenge is how do we extend that appeal? How do we keep the, the younger kids interested, involved in the product. And, you know, so when they grow up, they want to do the same thing for their kids. And so um, we've got a great set of engineers that they have worked on now. You can you can control a uh, train with your phone, with your voice. And so we're continuing to come up with um, new advancements in technology to, you know, to extend the brand. So that's, that's, that's obviously important to us. And Rick, I think you've been with, uh, with Lionel for about 12 years now. How has the company kind of evolved, changed, and succeeded as well over over that period that you've been with them? Yeah, and again, I think the focus has changed uh, more on you know, what can we do to you know bring the younger generation aboard and, and keep them. And, and so we got great marketing guys that are coming up with new programs all the time to, to uh, uh, extend you know our sales. We've got great relationships with uh, licensing relationships with Disney and Warner Brothers stuff. You know we have the Polar Express train, which is our number one seller. But you know those kind of things they keep um, the company moving. So and, and we're always trying to advance new product, um, new ideas. And so um, I, I think there's been a lot of focus on 
controlling our cost and driving our revenue and you know and, and getting the balance of that and, and the better part of that obviously and becoming more and more profitable you mentioned i think some key things there in terms of what's what's made the business successful but are there any things you feel like you've done recently that have have kind of helped the business continue to be relevant continue to succeed um and make sure that it doesn't kind of become a, a relic of the past <laughs> well I, you know, again, I'll mention, you know, how we've involved using a cell phone now to drive a train or voice controlled. And we've got some more things on the drawing board similar to that. And, you know, those kind of advances with train technology, because in, in the old day, you had a transformer, you plugged it in, you connected the track, you put the train on it, and you turn the knob on a transformer to speed it up or slow it down. And now you can do that without having a transformer or controlling it with a transformer. You still have the power pack that uh, powers the train. So it's those kind of things. We have also done things uh, the standard track used to be a three rail track uh, you know if you've been around trains long enough um, now it's uh, not a three rail track anymore but um, we also light the track up in some instances when a train goes over it so it's some cool things like that that just appeals to a lot of people and so you you touched on all the things trains can do now that you know might might kind of come as a surprise to someone that hasn't played with them in a in a while um, with the voice control with the smartphone app how does how, how do you and how does Lionel as a, as a company kind of keep up with with all this stuff? I mean, consumer technology, you know, evolves very very quickly. How do you guys kind of stay on top of things and make sure you're able to support these trends with your 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 trains? Well, as I said, we've got a great set of engineers that, you know, are, are building these things and, and they're designing it and staying up with what's happening in the, in the tech world, you know, and all the social media that's out there now. We drive a lot of stuff through social media so people are exposed to it. I can't speak highly enough of our engineering department and how they're doing it and, and programming chips. And it would be interesting, or it is interesting to, to see how they get that done and, and what's involved with that. But, you know, we're doing our own you know, development that way. As CIO, obviously you're involved with kind of the internal systems the business runs on. Do you also have some input in the technological direction of the, the products and, and working with the, the teams on that side of the business? Uh, I do not. You know, I, I stay more focused on the processes on our ERP, but, you know, those engineers are a heck of a lot smarter than I am. So <laughs> those guys do a great job. Do you think that that's uh, brought some challenges for the business just needing to adapt to, to all these different technologies and stuff? And has it made the, the business maybe have to, like, reconsider its priorities or, you know, what it needs to focus on when it, it thinks about the future? Good question. You know, it, it, there are challenges with it. As an example, uh, when when and I'll tell you guys a story. When they, uh, when we first went to um, driving a, a train via your phone, well, there's many versions of phone out there. You got Apple, and you got all the other versions that, uh, and and then different ages of them. And so, at at one point, I think we were trying to make the application work on too many different types of cell phones and we killed it because there's so many out there that have a different variation on the OS of the phone or whatever it may be that you know we finally said okay guys here are the phones that this is going to operate on and we're not going to go below this level or whatever so that is an ongoing challenge because consumers some of them hang on to their phones for a very long time and you know that the present day application may not be um, compatible with old technology older technology yeah yeah i think less is more sometimes uh for sure with things like that um so you're obviously cio rick um when you stepped into that that role with lionel like we said about 12 years ago, what were kind of some of your initial priorities for the business? I think you mentioned earlier in the podcast ERP, but what was 
Where did you want to take things when you first first got this job? Well, it really was unifying two separate companies, as I mentioned. You know, Lionel had been around for a long time and acquired the diecast business, NASCAR diecast business, and so now we had two separate companies, um, and we needed to find one system that which we could drive both of the of the uh, subsidiaries on divisions on uh, so that we could unify our operating platform and unify the processes and unify the data analysis and everything else so really the, the first challenge the CEO of, of Lionel at the time gave me was find us an ERP that we can run our business on and so you know, that, that was the first thing I had to do and it was an interesting challenge in that you know, obviously, um, Lionel had an old ERP that, that that had been with them for a very long time, and the, and the people that used it knew it very well. And with anything that involves change, there's always challenges. So, you know, moving to an ERP, uh, excuse me, to a new ERP was challenging from the standpoint that uh, the Lionel team understood it needed to be done, but it was different. And it was, you know, the, the training we had to provide. And, and us ourselves, we didn't know NetSuite's ERP. We being the racing team didn't know NetSuite's ERP either. So we all had to learn, all had to define the, how the processes are gonna, were going to work, are, gonna, are working now inside of NetSuite, and then just get everybody comfortable for it. And, it, and you know, again, it's change, right? There's always resistance to change, no matter how little, how big, how much better it's going to make things it's different did you find any any ways that to kind of overcome that resistance that were particularly effective did you you know do any initiatives maybe with fellow executives to try to get that buy-in that we often hear about when you're you're changing systems it's a great thing the buy-in you know one of the benefits was I had the backing of the CEO because he wanted it to get done so not that I had to sell senior management on it it was you know the end user community the one the people that were really using the system needed to be sold on it and it, it just took time you know if uh, you know water wears away rock and so uh, it was a matter of just being consistent with it and, and we actually spent a lot of time understanding how they operated so you know we involved them in the process definition process so that they had input into it and you know th- that was part of their buy-in you know, they, they were helping define it you mentioned Lionel was was running on a really old ERP system at the time could could you provide any more detail there on what you were using you know what it looked like from the the user experience people that actually had to interact with the ERP system and, and where it was falling short well, it was an old AS400 system, and this is 2010. You know, an AS400, IBM AS400 systems were great in their day, but, you know, it had lived beyond its prime. And the name of the application was called BPIX, and it was just an old manufacturing system that uh, printed paper reports and had the big CRT cathode ray tube devices um, hung to it that, that people were using. So it was just antiquated and, and needed to be moved uh, out and, and moved on. You mentioned like you know printed out reports, but what what were the things that you felt like were holding the business back about the system? Like what did you know what, what did you see as we really need these things to be better in our new system? Newer technology had a lot more functionality, so you know it was something that benefited the company entirely because of just advancements in technology. Number one, number two is the old AS400 system was written in uh, programming language called RPG. Uh, many people out there, unless you've been in IT, won't know what that is. But those were the days that when you wanted a data report or a data analysis, you had to go to IT and say, "Hey, can you spin me up a sales report from last month's sales?" And so IT was seen as could be seen as a bottleneck at that point in time. Moving into NetSuite, moving into new generation stuff, um, all of those data elements are now 
serviceable to each individual so they don't need to come to IT to get a report on sales um, after we train them how to do that so they can do their own data analytics we guide them because you know one of the one of the beauties of and challenges curses of being able to generate reports by everybody is you can get different reports for the same end thing so as an example Ian you could spin up a sales report that um, you thought was right and it wouldn't match the sales report that I spun up number wise because I may have included sales tax in my total sales and you may not have included sales tax and then you're going well how come if we're both looking at a report for last month's sales Ian's number's different from Rick's so it, that's how we it, and, and you know, everybody's gotten used to that and you know as part of the training transition period but those are the things you get you get multiple versions of the truth yeah yeah I think that's a, a great example and Ricky, I know you led this effort to implement NetSuite ERP. Going back to kind of that selection process, what do you remember about why NetSuite was the right choice for Lionel? What put it above some of the other systems you looked at? A couple things. You know, even back in 2010, NetSuite was in the cloud, and that was before it wasn't, it wasn't in vogue. Um, and we, we talked about that. And it takes away a lot of things, having your data center on-premise or having it outsourced to somewhere else, you know, having your ERP just taken care of by somebody else in the cloud. So, you know, we took a chance, and it certainly paid off um, long run for us because now everybody's either in the cloud or getting to the cloud. That was number one. Number two, I did a quick analysis uh, of a couple of competitors' products, and all three of the pricing for the products were roughly the same. It wasn't like one was greatly more expensive or one was a heck of a lot cheaper. They were all in the ballpark. So um, that was the second point. And, and the third point is we we at uh, in the NASCAR business at Motorsports Authentics have been using NetSuite's um, e-commerce platform. And so we had a little bit of knowledge of NetSuite that, that certainly helped us. How did six out of the top seven best-performing tech stocks gain visibility and control over financials, inventory, planning, and budgeting with NetSuite by Oracle? Answers at netsuite.com slash code, netsuite.com slash code. One of those systems that I believe you looked at was was Microsoft and, and Microsoft Dynamics. Do you remember what maybe wasn't as appealing or didn't make that solution as, as strong of a fit for Lionel as, as NetSuite did? Uh, I think it comes down, or it came down to our familiarity, albeit it was small, but, you know, we could spell NetSuite, so to speak. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, again, they were all basically the same, and I, and I kind of like NetSuite's, uh, again, being in the cloud there at that, at that time. So, you know, from, from now to 2010, obviously the business has changed a lot, grown a lot, as, as we've kind of said. Um, but let's, I just want to kind of talk through some of the modules you guys are using and, and what you've seen with those, the results you've seen with those. So on the finance side, you have NetSuite One World. Um, you know, we often see that used for either an international or multi-subsidiary businesses. Sometimes, obviously, they might be both. Um, how, how is that module, would you say, made kind of financial management and accounting easier for Lionel? So in, in, in your uh, hit the nail on the head, and we had two subsidiaries. We had the train business and the racing business, racing diecast business. So we needed to treat them as separate operating entities so we could track the profitability of each. And so One World allows us to you know, assign sales and expenses you know, based on the product lines, which then in, in turn shows us, you know, who's making money, who's not making money, or where we need to focus our attention more on. So you know, that's been, you know, obviously that was key to us. And, you know, and the 
other part is you can roll up the financial reporting into a single uh, statement as well. So we can we can run a financial statement for the train side, we can run a financial statement for the racing side, and then we can get a consolidated financial statement. Is that something you've been using the whole time you've been with NetSuite ERP, or was that um, added later down the line? Nope from day one that was you know again another reason why we went that way because we needed to you know and we still need to obviously understand profitability of each product and then wanted to turn next to inventory management obviously another kind of key part of any erp system and, and certainly nets with erp how do you think that system is has helped when it comes to inventory management whether it's things like efficiency or making sure you have the right supply for where demand is or maybe something else you know, one of the things, another thing I really like about NetSuite is they have many trading partners that have expanded application capabilities that are in, integrated into NetSuite. It's super, and, and we have relationships with many of them, and I'll, and I'll talk about several. But, but on the uh, the shipping side, we use a company called RS Smart that's integrated in NetSuite and gives us expanded capabilities on mobile scanning devices on picking and shipping orders, and it, it's been a great product. We use a company called Avalara on tax you know, that Avalara, that those people are a heck of a lot smarter than we are about taxes and jurisdictional taxes and tax rate changes and all the crazy things that goes on with taxes. And they make sure we're compliant with all of the tax rates that are needing to be applied and updated um, over the years. You know, and just a handful of years ago when we started, or the country started requiring taxes on internet purchases, you know, we were all set to go with it, and a lot of companies had challenges with how we're going to do this. It was all part of Avalara's um, bread and butter, and so we, we rolled right into that and, you know, different and crazy thresholds by state and when you have to start paying or not, not have to pay um, taxes on um, Internet purchases. You know, that's another one. We use a um, company called Mineral Tree. It, does, it automates our um, accounts payable, and so yeah, um, it's, it's greatly helped the accounting department. We just have implemented this week something that automates our accounts receivable process through high radius and it's a cash app uh, when we get payments in from our customers um, and how it applies them to the open invoices again simplifying processes reducing manual efforts and time inside of uh, you know our accounting department our AP and AAR departments so you know it's it's just the the wonderful number of partners that that NetSuite has that allows you to focus on in the term I've heard today many times and I've been using it for a long time you know growing your business you know let us focus on running our business let people that are a lot smarter than we are on those specific aspects keep us where we need to be yeah I think that's a, a really smart strategy and and something yeah sometimes people try to do too much you know build homegrown this homegrown that and think often they just end up shooting themselves in the foot and, and spending a lot of time and money on just trying to develop it. Do you kind of, or maybe over the years, have you gotten some positive feedback from employees, whether it's someone in the warehouse or someone on the finance team about, hey, this is so much easier or faster or better than it was before now that we have these tools at our disposal? We do. Um, and we continue to always seek how do we improve um, our processes? And most of that improvement comes around the technology that's driving them. And, you know, again, another wonderful piece I like about NetSuite, you can customize um, their product to meet your business needs. You get an out-of-the-box kind of setup with NetSuite with lots of capabilities, but everybody's business operates a little differently. And so us being able to um, customize NetSuite to do some things for us um, eases our processes. And then in time, 
you know, we'll have the warehouse team, you know, that's, that's doing all the shipping and receiving of all the product and say, this has gotten better, faster, easier. But we, we've heard that in many areas. And uh, again, it's because of the capability of NetSuite to uh, allow us to do that. And then also allowing people to spin up their own um, data analytics reports. They can get an idea on, on how things are, are going compared to what, you know, compared to where we were. And so t- today, Lionel obviously sells through its own website. I know you guys have a lot of third-party, you know, retailers that, that you work with, a lot of different channels going on. Um, is e-commerce, has that become a significant part of the business for Lionel? It has. We've got three websites that we do our own e-commerce on. We also do um, the fulfilling of e-commerce orders for some major names, such as Amazon and Walmart, that... We can call it e-commerce. Um, you can call it, you know, omni-channel. You know, we were omni-channel when that um, term was just born. But, but yeah, so it, it is significant if, uh, when we roll all those numbers in. And how has the company kind of adjusted to that? You, you know, you mentioned right there omni-channel. It's been the kind of the, the talk of the town in retail for a number of years now. But but how did you handle that shift? How were you able to successfully go from I imagine, you know, only really selling to retailers to selling online and then selling through these marketplaces like Amazon as well. Um, it, it actually, it's, that was almost our footprint from day one, at least from, from when I joined. So, you know, we had an e-com site. We were selling in bulk to mass retailers. We were fulfilling uh, on the e-commerce side for mass retailers. We have distributors and wholesalers that we send product to. And then three years ago, we opened up a retail store. So a single retail store, but like I said, um, you know, we've been omni-channel for a long time. And, and one of the things that Again, another trading partner that I didn't mention earlier, SPS Commerce, they do all our EDI transaction processing. And and so for those people that know, big companies require you to exchange um, the sales order, purchase order from them, create an advance ship notice back to them, and then the invoice all electronically. And, and NetSuite integrates with, um, or SPS integrates with NetSuite to make those um, transactions happen. As an example, in 2021, we processed over 80,000 documents through SPS, just the volume of activity that we've got going on via EDI. And kind of on the, the topic of e-commerce, I know you, you use Sweet Commerce Advanced as well and, and have for, for quite a while. Um, I believe Lionel was on Magento before. Where was that system kind of falling short and then what made Sweet Commerce the, the right fit? So the history behind that, we actually when we created the company in 2010, we went to NetSuite's e-commerce platform at that point in time, and it was called Site behind the scenes called Site Builder. And Site Builder was an older style method of creating uh, websites. As we were on it for a couple of three years, we realized that Site Builder was not capable of making some of the advances that we wanted to do in our e-commerce platform. And so we, we actually did move to Magento. We were on Magento and we had our challenges because now now we've got to feed the data back from Magento back into NetSuite so that we, again, we have one record of the truth of everything. And, and this is, you know, 2013-ish and there wasn't a, an easy path to transfer data back and forth. So we kind of built our own pipeline to do that, which 
was less than successful. Um, that was a challenge for us because now if, if the pipeline broke, we had to figure out where the data fell apart and, and recreate it. And interesting part about Magento, world-class e-com side. You know, it, it certainly is, is a very good website, but now we have a call center that, was, that were taking calls from customers, and now they had to understand NetSuite and Magento, be able to talk to a customer. So now, now the technology training just... Um, had to be increased to, um, to, to so that our team understood a second platform. But at that point in time, NetSuite came out with their new e-commerce platform offering, Suite Commerce Advanced, and we took a look at, we, we got a demo of it, took a look at it and said, wow, this is doing all the things we wanted to do from a marketing standpoint, from a customer interface standpoint, and we made the conversion back from Magento back over into NetSuite under Suite Commerce Advanced, and, and it's, it's been working very well for us. We're, we're very happy with Suite Commerce Advanced. What were the, the biggest maybe immediate benefits you saw when you went back to Sweet Commerce Advance? Was it just not having to worry about data kind of flowing from one system to the other? It, it was, and it was significant. Um, one of the other challenges we had was the way that Magento uh, applied taxes was a little different than the way NetSuite applied taxes. One was at the line level, one was at the cart level. And so... There were times when the taxes didn't balance out between the two transactions, the one that was generated in Magento and the one that was generated in or copied back over to NetSuite. And so, you know, there's some taxation issues, just just the different way the systems were handling the process. And so those are the kind. And again, you know, having to train more people on how to operate Magento or answer customers questions. Hey, I'm on your website in Magento, and I'm trying to do this, and so now we've got to know both. When we converted back, it certainly simplified things, and, you know, I love having everything under one platform because it makes it a lot easier. You know, I, I, we only need to know one level of technology um, from a reporting standpoint. Everybody can get to it, um, so it, that simplifies and expedi- expedites the process. One other piece I wanted to ask about um, on the, the NetSuite side is Learning Cloud Support or, or LCS. Um, what kind of value have you guys seen with that has it helped you maybe get more out of NetSuite or has it helped ramp up new people people that are new to NetSuite on how to use the system the answer is yes <laughs> um, it, and it actually has as you know we just like every other company experience turnover and so um, you know the, the training we're getting from NetSuite has helped us speed up the transition a new employee right doesn't know NetSuite they have a, an IT background but doesn't know NetSuite and then you know we can certainly speed the transition up from then stepping aboard to becoming a productive individual. And, and, and also, you know, other, other training capabilities for non-IT people uh, that, that we use um, through that. Have you found any, any use or value in it kind of being like a continued learning tool after people get a little bit familiar with the system to maybe add to their, their capabilities? Yeah, we, we haven't gone down that path yet. And, and that's probably a really good suggestion. You know, our, our goal is just bringing people up to speed as quickly as possible. So one of the, the big reasons, obviously, people get an ERP system or move to a new ERP system is reporting, which we already talked about a little bit. But how would you say NetSuite's reporting capabilities kind of help employees across various departments, various levels in your business, and ultimately just kind of do their jobs better? Well, again, um, with a little bit of training, you don't need to be an IT person now to generate reports out of NetSuite. And so it, it makes them self-service or gives them self-service capabilities, and they don't need to come to IT, excuse me, unless they have a question about you know, how to do something. So uh, you know, they have near real-time access to the data they're looking for. 
And on the, the kind of selling side of the business, can it help Lionel evaluate how different items are performing and maybe what you need to push more, what you need to, to pull back on, or maybe think about redoing? How does it help you make some of those decisions? Certainly, and, and that's another one of the benefits, uh, again, of the easy access of data analytics inside there to show us what product is moving, what product slow moving, and you know what do we need to do if we need to run a, you know, some kind of promotional coupon or whatever it may be to, to try to push product out the door. So it, it, it helps us identify you know, you know our inventory levels, and what you know, what at what time do we reorder product, and and making sure we've got it on hand when we need it. And just digging into the reporting side a, a little bit more, you know, recently we've been hearing a lot of CFOs. I know you're a CIO, but a lot of CFOs being asked to find ways to cut costs. You know, we need to boost profitability, all those those types of things. How do you think NetSuite can help you deliver on? some of those things as they potentially become a priority down the road of we need to focus on our cash flow or profitability. How can NetSuite help with that? Well, and we have used NetSuite for that. And it's some of the trading partners that have expanded capabilities, um, such as, you know, automating our AP or automating our AR pieces that help us um, reduce costs because it, it removes some of the, it removes a lot of the manual effort and speeds it up so you know time frames are reduced uh, up to the point where people can do other things or if, if somebody leaves we may not need to replace them so and Rick I, I imagine over the course of your career you know you've implemented a number of systems worked with a number of different systems to you what do you think makes NetSuite better than some of those other systems you, you've worked with and other stops in your career you know, it, it's some in some of maybe timing because technology is so much more advanced now. You, you know, putting in systems isn't something you do every other year, and you know that, that's once or twice. You hope not to. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's doesn't happen often, and so which is a good thing because you know the, the whole transition is in, in companies get used to how things work, uh, unless there's a serious need for it. But the uh, and I guess the the key point is advancements in NetSuite. You know, NetSuite does upgrades to its product twice a year. So NetSuite continues also to be creative in how to advance the, the productivity that you may have by owning the product because they, they do releases twice a year that um, brings new capabilities out that you know you, you get as just being part of um, the program. Great. And as we, we start to wrap up here, I wanted to move back to, to Lionel um, and just kind of the business itself. What, what do you think Lionel's strategy looks like to insurance products can, like you talked about at the beginning, kind of capture the interest of a new generation of consumers? Yeah, again, you know, our, our goal is to continue extending the brand in the younger generation. You know, a lot of us have trains because our fathers had trains, and so we're trying to promote that and get that to be a sticking point that as, as young people grow up today and then have their own families, that it's something they look back on fondly and want to uh, you know provide that kind of experience uh, to their kids and so that's the biggest part of it in extending with technology as best we can so that as technology advances so so do the trains capabilities or or the ability to uh, interact with the trains is extended and how do you think NetSuite can kind of support you as you continue to you know, change and evolve and, and meet these these new trends, whatever they, they might be, since some I feel like we, we don't even know yet. <laughs> well, you know, if NetSuite would come out and buy trains for all their employees, that would be a great help to us. Uh, just kidding. The uh, You know, at NetSuite's features and functionalities uh, and their con- continued advancements to help us continue to improve. So that that's key to us as NetSuite is uh, advancing. You know, we're able to use those things to improve our processes. And, you know, as we, as we, as 
as we uh, said earlier, you know, reduce costs and uh, increase profitability. So, I, you know, it's, it's the back-end system. The ERP is, is what's driving the business. All right. Well, great stuff, Rick. Thank you so much for, for joining us, and uh, thank you for the time. Thank you, Ian. I'm really impressed by how this century-old brand is finding ways to reinvent itself so model trains remain popular. Technology, both in the products it sells and internally to run its business better, is really central to that effort at Lionel. There's certainly more competition than ever before to capture the attention of today's kids, and Lionel's come up with some creative ways to reach them. Props to them for tackling that challenge head-on. Thanks so much to Rick for joining us on this episode of the podcast. I also want to extend another thank you to our editing crew over at Lampstand and, as always, all of you for tuning in. If you want more episodes just like this one, make sure you subscribe to our channel and give us a rating and review. Thanks so much, and we'll talk soon. You just listened to the NetSuite podcast. Be sure to tune in every week with more NetSuite developments, stories, and insights into the benefits of one integrated system to help you run your business.